In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. How shall we sing the Lord's song upon an alien soil? Psalm 137, 4. God's chosen people had been taken to Babylon to serve another master and commanded to sing, to which they made this reply. They begged the Lord to maim them if they forgot their land, Jerusalem. They told their captors they couldn't sing on an alien soil. When we're laid captive to something, our thoughts, our silences, our anger, our restlessness, or our money, we too cannot sing. Our throats are dry, our tongues cleave to the roof of our mouths. We free ourselves by recognizing our dragons, by facing down our secrets, by breaking our habits. We metaphorically return from the alien soil to Jerusalem and find our voices again. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. And I have to say, kudos to the weather. It's like 80-something degrees out there. And I'm sitting outside thinking, that pool looks very inviting. I have a brilliant show for you this sunny afternoon. I remember the early days of television. My word, I really have been around for a long time. My guest is Linda Dobson, an advocate for the homeschooling lifestyle. And I'll be taking this hour off from my busy schedule to fill you in on what's been going on in my homeschooling world. So grab your tea and stay tuned and don't fall asleep, Tina. Who's Tina? She's my electronic friend who lives in California. She homeschools and is tickled by my show each week. She emailed me the other day and told me she was listening to one of my podcasts and drifting in that twilight world between semi-consciousness and passive awareness, known in my house as napping, when she was startled awake by the mention of her name. She thought it was hilarious that in such a drowsy state she could still respond when the Tina word was uttered. Now, Tina, my friend... How many people call you Tina with an English accent? And I can hear owls hooting in our back 40 and it's the early afternoon. I can hear three of them out there going at it. Well, the dreaded attic was cleared out this week. We deliberately made it coincide with my zookeeper son's midweek weekend days. He has the muscles and stamina to execute some of the heavy lifting required to get stuff up the ladder and into the vast space above the garage. Hoisting it down was relatively easy. Blue-eyed strongman cowboy managed that single-handedly. I had to be careful to stay away from the ladder and its surrounding area. Stuff was flying everywhere. Luckily, we'd cleaned out the space about five years ago, so it wasn't that bad. We'd done a lot of sorting when all four children could still be captured and chained to the front porch. So I had tubs for each child's memorabilia. We had show shirts corralled into one area and suitcases in another. Christmas stuff and schoolwork was scattered creatively around since we use those every year. 
depending on who had hurled it up through the trapdoor. And don't give me that look. You know you don't always pull the ladder down and climb into the loft or attic and thoughtfully place those unwanted items not ready to be thrown away yet in assigned spaces. This time around, we could actually make it into the attic. Oh, listen to me. I didn't go up in the attic. Who am I kidding? I directed the exodus from below. Now we have hundreds of show shirts, enough to make six king-size quilts out of the fronts. That's our future plan. Big project. Well, throwing and giving the items from the attic away... Were now that were now deemed throwawayable didn't make me feel sad. By this time, everything had already been discarded in my heart, so it was an easy step to the trash or goodwill. Books, on the other hand, are a stumbling block with me. I admitted this to my wild son. He said, I can tell. Things slowed down when the books landed at my feet. I opted to keep all the homeschooling ones, though I did manage to give away some to a young homeschooler just starting on her expedition. She was thrilled to have my books passing through her hands as if they held a magic formula for success. I should let her into a secret. Just because we homeschool doesn't mean we get through the child-rearing lark without any mishaps, rebellions, or disappointments. If anything, we're closer to all the upheavals and take them more personally since we are the primary teachers. Maybe it builds us into stronger people. Maybe we shed more tears in private. Maybe we're having a hard time with all the nuances of empty nest. Two days had been designated for this mind-blowing, heart-wrenching, muscle-straining task, but thanks to the superb organisation work of Mr Blue Eyes and the brawn of our blue-eyed son, they got the attic cleared, shelved, floored, sorted and reloaded in one long day. The saddest part of the weekend, my weekend that is, was the consolidation of the bookcases in my house. As my son keenly observed, I wasn't good at letting go of the printed word. These books have graced my shelves for 20-plus years, but grace was all a lot of them did. They're now in cardboard boxes ready for distribution. Don't worry, I hung on to all the favourite children's books, the classics and the homeschooling literature. Well, Hubs just got back from half-price books with a staggering $40 for the lot. Well, quite a haul. Better than a kick, I said. Depends on who's kicking, was his smart retort. Well, time for my book excerpt. This week I start a new chapter entitled Television is Not a Team Player, in which I begin by looking at my early relationship with the media vehicle that eventually changed how children use their free time. To hear some people tell it, television is an evil component in our lives. Now, hang on a minute. I can actually remember not having television in my home, and it had nothing to do with evil or religion or homeschool or anything other than the fact that it was too new to have hit every household. I don't think I ever consciously wondered what life was like without TV. I had no idea that it was lacking in our house until I was quite a bit older. The first time I saw television, I was under six years old. I know this because we were still living in Germany. It was Christmas Eve. We'd been to an early evening mass and I was walking home between my parents. I found little holes in the asphalt pathway that led to our apartment building and my parents told me that they'd been left behind by Chris Kringle's walking stick. My father was carrying his carefully furled umbrella and used its point to show me how the holes had been made. I was duly convinced. We didn't have the Santa reindeer chimney tradition because everyone knows that flats don't have chimneys. So this explanation for the holes appealed to my imagination. I was beside myself with excitement and wanted to get home to my younger brother who was probably asleep under the watchful eyes of our German neighbours. We had gifts awaiting us. 
We were going to open at least one that magic night. Our neighbours were having their family Christmas party, and we'd been included, which meant dinner followed by presents. On our return, we were ushered into their flat across the hall to see their gifts to themselves. A television set. It had moving pictures playing across it, and I was mesmerised. But I remember this incident today and cannot recall any of my gifts that year suggests to me that my first view of television made a lasting impression. My grandmother brought us our first television. We'd moved back to England from Germany and I must have been seven because we didn't move into our house until almost a year after our resettlement, just before another Christmas. It was a black and white set, which meant that all the shows on it were in black and white. I doubt if there were many colour programmes at the time, so we didn't feel cheated. I do remember it sparked a conversation about whether the presenters' or actors' outfits really matched, since they were only going to be seen in black and white. My brother and I would try to determine if there were different shades of black and white that would give us a clue as to the real colour that they were wearing. Television for us was limited to one hour a day after our bath and dinner, before bed. When we went on holiday, television stayed at home. It wasn't a luxurious commodity that could be plugged into our simple caravan. It didn't feature in hotel rooms, stores, fitness centres, sports bars, restaurants, aeroplanes, or even cars, as it does today. We didn't have a television set at my boarding school, at least not for the first few years. However, progress eventually penetrated the almost thousand-year-old stone walls of my convent, and upon the television's arrival, the nuns used the box of moving pictures as a privilege that could be withdrawn at a whim. Viewing was selective and occasional. There were only two channels, and we were not allowed to watch ITV, independent television. It was forbidden for two reasons, commercials and content. Commercials were a necessary evil to pay for the programming. These were thought by the nuns to encourage us in worldliness and drive us to thoughtless bouts of spending and endless hours of envy. The commercials were clever to my mind, outrageous. Women whistling, bras on the outside of sweaters, and children disobeying parents to buy a special treat. The clever, snappy, articulate short skits made us long for things we couldn't have. The nuns were right but it was mostly good food as I remember it. Program content aired on ITV was considered to be of a lower calibre due to its direct appeal to the working classes who, by association, had more money than sense. We as a body preferred the light-hearted tone of independent TV and tuned in whenever, when, whenever opportunity allowed, thus corrupting our view of the world and causing us to be irresponsible stewards of our treasure. The channel bearing the stamp of approval with its sensible documentaries and serious news stories was the BBC, British Broadcasting Corporation. We could select on special occasions, holidays and major feasts, a show or two to watch in the evening. Monty Python was all the rage when I was 16, and we would cram into a room with a few chairs and huddle around the television, precariously perched atop a movable trolley. The idea that this appliance should become a permanent fixture and that the furniture in a room be arranged around it rather than the fireplace or pianoforte had not yet reached the interior design portfolios of the mid-60s. Its mobility was essential to such a large house, and I suspect that it spent most of its life turned off in the nuns' quarters, which were out of bounds for us. A closing thought to my life with television as a child occurs to me here. There was no such thing as morning or afternoon television or all-night film channel channels. 
And there may have been some educational programming for schools in the late morning, but these were deadly boring and we felt blessed to be able to skip them. Television officially started in the evening around 5pm with children's shows, followed by the early evening news, then a few dramas or sitcoms depending on the channel. We could watch the screen turn slowly to black after the late news at 10. Then came the test card. Anybody remember the test card? My brother and his wife came to visit us when we first moved to America, and they admitted to being more excited about watching daytime television than seeing us. Britain has since caught up with America. Well, I'm getting ready to go on my break, and I'll be back after these messages. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Come learn with me as the show created as much for the host as the audience. Join host Danny Walker, Wednesdays at 11, noon central, on toginet.com, as she invites you to get your boots on and walk through life's triumphs and troubles with her. Come learn with me as the beginning of a movement, a community filled with caring people who share information, allowing everyone to participate, gain, and grow. What works? What doesn't? Your host, Danny Walker, is a self-proclaimed student, not expert, and she'll share very candidly passions, perspectives, failures, her family's battle with illness, her restaurant, inspirations to keep being a wife, parent, and more, all the while including industry experts, disease survivors, and guests to add to the mix. For more on Danny and her show, go to dannywalker.com. D-A-N-I-Walker.com. If you've ever searched high and low to find answers to sickness, disease, and debt, come learn with me and let's get our questions answered together. Come learn with me with host Danny Walker, Wednesdays at 11, noon central on toginet.com. Y'all wave your hands, look who's on, it's the Cody Man Keith and he's number one. Now you might think Juan's youth was sad, because right? he had a death kill mommy and dad, right. but that ain't the case, nope. it wasn't his fate, nope. the Juan's never struggled to communicate. Ha. Y'all wave your hands, look who's on, it's the Cody Man Keith Number one. It's That Keith Wine Show on Toginet.com, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central. Every week, That Keith Wine Show will have guests that share their experiences, expertise, opinions, and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others. The topics and guests will come from the American Sign Language community. For more on Keith Wine and the show, go to his website, KeithWanWANN.com. Listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge. Number, number one. Keith's number one. Everybody. Don't miss that Keith Wan show Wednesday nights at eight seven central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to the Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's the Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Hello, 
my guest this week is Linda Dobson, who homeschooled back in the 80s and took her love for this new educational approach to as many families as possible. She founded a homeschool support group, advised homeschool.com in its early years. She's written articles for dozens of magazines and was Home Education Magazine's news reporter and analyst for almost a decade. In addition to this, Linda has authored eight books and believes that parental involvement is essential to educational success and can occur no matter where a child learns. Welcome, Linda. Thank you very much, Vivian. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Well, what's the weather like where you are? Uh, It's warm. Yeah? So where are you? Uh, I'm in southern Virginia right now. Oh, so that would be nice. Yeah, we we have a really warm day today, too. At least the sun's out and it's pretty and feels like summer. (laughs) It's about time. It is, it is. Um, Well, Linda, um, before we get, um, you know, sort of involved in um, some of your projects and some of the things that you've written, let me just ask you, since you started, you know, sort of homeschooling early on, um, when you started homeschooling and how many children you have homeschooled? Oh, uh, I have three children, and uh, we began uh, back in the Stone Age of 1985. All right. <laughs> and um, what was the climate? I mean, you know, where, which state did you live in, and what was the um, educational climate back then um, uh, as far as homeschooling goes? We, we were in New York State, and mm-hmm. um, as you may know, New York uh, has some of the worst regulations of any of the states. And oh, really? Yeah. Still, still do, um, but in fact, they didn't have any regulations when we started. <laughs> so, uh, I guess you could say we uh, homeschooled underground until they finally got their legal act together. Right. So, tell me, what made you um, start homeschooling? My eldest son went to half-day kindergarten, and um, I, I just saw he, he was such a happy-go-lucky little boy. And within a couple of months of school attendance, I could see him changing before my eyes. I was getting reports that he didn't know things he I knew he knew for years. Mm-hmm. And um, I was very, very fortunate. I, I knew it wasn't going to work out, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And then one day I happened to turn the television on when the old Donahue show came on. And uh, Donahue's guest that particular day was none other than John Holt. Wow. So um, do you know anything about, can you, if I say to you, and who's John Holt, would you be able to tell me? <laughs> Well, John Holt is the granddaddy of uh, homeschooling in, in the United States, at least. He, he was a school teacher who uh, spent quite a bit of time trying to uh, reform the system because he didn't like how it worked. And then he got to the point where he just said, uh, no, the system can't be reformed. Parents, keep your kids home. And thus he started Growing Without Schooling magazine, Mm -hmm. which uh, was around for many, many years. Uh, Unfortunately, John passed away um, just within a couple of years of when I started homeschooling. But uh, all of his books, How Children Learn, How Children Fail, What Do I Do Monday, uh, are, are treasures in, on this subject. Well, funnily enough, John Holt was one of was my uh, was a required reading 
person. I had to read his books when I was at teacher training college in London a long time ago. Fantastic. And I have his books still on my shelf. There's the Underachieving School and um, Schools Out, I think one of them's called. And in fact, one of the homeschool societies or organizations in England is called Schools Out. Um, and I know that the unschooling um, population has embraced him because of his um, um, methods of, you know, if you decide to pull your children out of school, then you really, you know, need to not reproduce school in your house. You just need to give them the freedom to want to find out about their world. Right, right. What, what would be the point of um, pulling them out and then doing the same things that he felt the schools were doing wrong? That's right. That's right. And, um, yeah, he, he just hated institutions. I mean, he really, really was, you know, sort of like... Um, the typical 50, 60s <laughs> revolution about the, the institute, you know, not, not trusting anybody institutionalized because he says, you know, there's nowhere else like it. You know, school is just awful. It just completely smothers children because it's separated from home. That's what he hated. He hated the fact that it was completely separate from home. That's true. And it has to be that way because school is the institution that uh, prepares us for all the other institutions coming up in our life. That's right. Um, so, well, then, um, on that, because um, I've spoken to um, a young man called Peter Kowalki, and he actually does. He has an unschooling um, magazine and blog and a, a radio show. And I know I've spoken, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, do you know him? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, he says that, we, you know, a lot of homeschoolers go along and homeschool and then they send them to college. And he said, you know, you've got these kids that aren't used to being in an, in an institution. Then you send them away to an institution. <laughs> He's going, what are we doing? You know, and I tend to agree with him to a degree, you know. Well, um, the, the nice thing about, um, you, you know, technology and computers uh, is the fact that someone can still sit at home in their spare time while they're traveling the world or doing a hundred other things. They can mm-hmm. still get that college education without putting themselves through that uh, institutionalized setting. Yeah, that's right. Um, so did you put your children through college or did they put themselves through college? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my kids dabbled in it. I mean, you know, like many homeschoolers, they, they took uh, community college classes while they were still young and in their teens. Uh, my eldest actually went for more specialized training. Uh, he had become a volunteer firefighter at a very early age and uh, from there wanted to be an EMT. Uh, so all that kind of training uh, was available to him without the college situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was something else we were saying. If you don't go to college, what is out there? And, oh, uh, yes, yeah. what, <laughs> the whole world is out there, and, and there are alternative ways. Um, another thing, when my kids were growing up, it was very important to me um, that they volunteered. I, I didn't care where they volunteered, what they did, but... They knew they were going to volunteer, and uh, that was such an incredible education for all of them. It, it was just amazing. Well, you say on your 
blog, one of your blogs, there's a photograph of you, I think it's on, on your main one, and you say that you're a grandmother, and you know what? You don't look like a grandmother in that photograph. So. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> Some days I don't feel like one. You definitely don't look like a grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Some days I don't feel like one. Other, other days I do. <laughs> so any of your children looking to the homeschooling route? Actually, two of my children uh, do not have children and continue to say they won't. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, um, my daughter is divorced. She's the one with all the children, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's physically impossible for her. I feel guilty for uh, having left the area, so to speak, because I probably could have done it. Uh, but life didn't take me in that direction. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that, you know, whether it's buying Christmas gifts or making sure there are books in the house and going to the library and all those homeschooly things, uh, her history, her experience certainly permeates their lifestyle. Well, and, and uh, yeah, that, that definitely gives them a, a strong foundation whether or not they decide to go and homeschool. Because I think, I think they realize just what... Um, it's not so much a tough job, but it's completely selfless. I mean, you really do have to be available to your children pretty much most of the time or around, and they're so used to that. And then when it comes to having their own responsibilities, even down to a dog, they go, oh, no, can't handle this. <laughs> My- I, well, I, I think it is important, and, and that's what the you know the parent's role is to be there as the um, you know chief cheerleader, um, you know, the, the person saying, gee, let's see what we can do about that interest that you have. And, and of course, the chauffeur cap is never far behind. I, one, one time when my son was a um, volunteer firefighter, he, he actually got onto the actual fire department at, at a rather young age. And in fact, it was before he could drive. Oh. So when there were fire calls, I had to get up in the middle of the night too oh. <laughs> to take him to the firehouse and uh my my favorite trip was uh it was the middle of winter we were in upstate New York snow up to your waist and uh I turned a corner my car stopped wouldn't start again a truck with the flashing lights came by, and I, I stood there, and I thought, oh, good, you know, somebody's going to be able to help. My son jumped in that truck and said, well, I'll see you later. We're going to the firehouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that was, that was great. And, and my children also, you know, would say to me, Will you drive us anywhere? Because we didn't let them get their licenses until they were 18. I know. I mean, sometimes I think we were completely crazy. But we promised that we'd take them everywhere. And even today, when it was snowing here a few weeks ago, I drove my daughter to work, went and picked her up every day. So, uh, you know, it's just... Some things die hard, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Some things do. And um, I was going to ask you, though, during all of this, how were you able to maintain your own identity? Because obviously you did. You've written a lot. (laughs) I mean, how did you get away from being their mom? I guess it's because I, I always encouraged them to have their own lives based on what their interests were. And I just kind of lived my own life at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I I really did not find that difficult at all. Um, 
I mean, you know, I, I was a homeschooler first, most definitely, and I'm beginning to realize that I'm going to die a homeschooler but advocacy I, I just you know we were having so much fun I, I think it was because of my son's initial experience in school that I could see how different homeschooling was from the, the uh, government school experience mm-hmm. and uh, it, it just became important to me to let people know hey look you know if I can do this you can do it too and you know what it's fun and it's great for the kids that's right for those of you just joining me i'm talking to linda dobson a busy grandmother of three beautiful girls linda accidentally found out about homeschooling through a tv show where john holt was being interviewed so stay with us and we'll be back after these few messages How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginap. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Levinsky. Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So I'm talking to Linda Dobson, and um, she had never even heard of homeschooling when she started homeschooling. She said she didn't even know anyone who homeschooled, never seen another homeschooler. Maybe that would have put you off had you seen other homeschoolers. <laughs> but anyway, she just knew that she loved it after she'd listened to John Holt, and she just got right on it and um, obviously did not lose herself along the way because, Linda, you've written eight books because I just Googled your name, and up it comes on Amazon and all these books, and I had to... 
you know, click on it to see the the bigger print. And I went, Linda Dawson's on <laughs> on all of these books. So, tell us about some of your books and your projects that you're doing right now on the internet. Okay. Uh, well, my first book was uh, The Art of Education: Reclaiming Your Family, Community, and Self. Uh, that was published by Home Ed- Home Education Press back in 1995. Uh, so, you know, it was one of the pretty early ones. And I figured if I put down everything I wanted to say about the public school system and about how homeschooling was better, I might not get asked to ever write another book. Mm-hmm. So that that one kind of puts it all out there. It's, it's pretty much a why to homeschool if anyone's having any trouble thinking about which uh, alternative to take. And I uh, had it join the 21st century. I've turned it into an e-book, so now it's available in e-book as well. Uh, most of my other books uh, were through uh, Prima Publishing, which was purchased by Random House. And uh, they pretty much run the gamut, have um, homeschooling the early years when you're dealing with children about three to eight, somewhere in there. Uh, the first year of homeschooling your child, which, um, you know, I, knowing what I know about homeschooling, I figured, you know, that that's that's the leap for people. That's that's when they're going to experience some of their biggest problems, especially if they're thinking in terms of school at home. So I, I wanted to write something to help people get through that first year. A, a lot of people, a lot of people have said that the um, little sections I have in there, what I wish I knew when I started homeschooling, were the most important to them. So mm-hmm. it was it was a way to pass forward um, the lessons learned by veterans homeschoolers. Um, let's see what else is out there. Uh, the learning coach approach, what the rest of us can learn from homeschooling. Both of those books um, I wrote because I was really interested in bringing what homeschoolers have learned about true learning as opposed to schooling uh, into the homes of people. If, if they didn't feel that they could homeschool full time, at least they could learn from some of the things that homeschoolers had learned and apply them in in their homes. Uh, The Ultimate Book of Homeschooling Ideas is um, another one I I collected uh, just fun things that homeschoolers from all over the world uh, did for, quote, schooling and uh, gathered them all together in, in a place where people can just pick up the book and, you know, if they're having a slow day or want to do something new and fun, they, there's over 500 ideas in this book for learning. Um, I don't know if I've left anything out. I think that's all. <laughs> well, I'm sure they, they will let you know <laughs> if okay. you leave anyone else, like that list at the Grammys or whatever, where people start to thank everyone and they miss the most obvious person. <laughs> right. So, uh, no, I, no, I had a look and, and your books look as though they're um, very, very good uh, tools for homeschoolers. So I commend you um, for writing all of that because you, you said something that um, – parents are very um, sort of important in a child's education no matter whether they're homeschooled or not and you're right when you say that there are a lot of ideas from homeschoolers that will benefit parents that don't or cannot homeschool their children right right yeah every bit of attention um to make it fun because let's face it school does not make learning fun Mm. and uh i i think that's what 
drains people of um, wanting to continue learning. They, they think it's a drudgery. And if a parent is at home and can show... You know, boy, let's have some fun. Look at look at what you learned. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can change their whole outlook on it. At mm-hmm. least that's my hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and you describe it also as a lifestyle, and um, I agree with that too. Because you know, you can't. It is. You know, the whole family has to buy into it, and lots of things change within the family. Right, right. And the nice thing about homeschooling is that when things do change, homeschooling's flexibility, I I think, is one of its greatest um, achievements, is that it can be bent and twisted and stood on its head to serve the child instead of the child trying to fit into, you know, the round peg of the school system. Uh, Homeschooling bends and that's why so many people who, uh, you know, special needs children, gifted children, and just, you know, your average kids like mine, it, it, mm-hmm. it works for everybody, which is, uh, I, don't, I don't think you can say that about many school systems anymore. Well, tell us about um, Parent at the Helm, because that is, I don't know, I'm sure you must spend many hours on it, because I can't even keep up with a blog that I, that I write. <laughs> I go, oh my gosh, I haven't done that for three days, and I look at your website and I think, hmm. You, know, you do a lot. I mean, your, your articles are long, and you edit that whole site, and there's lots of stuff on there. So tell us how you got started with that. Well, that was <laughs> that's just the next evolution of accepting the fact that I was going to be a homeschool advocate forever and ever. Um, you know, the place to be obviously was on the internet. I like the idea of a blog that you could go to it and change it and tweak it and add things. And and Parent at the Helm, you're right, it does have a lot on it. I've been very fortunate. I have um, some wonderful guest commentators, and if any of your listeners would like to be a guest commentator, they can certainly get in touch with me uh, via Parent at the Helm. Um, There's just so much that is part of the homeschooling lifestyle. Most homeschoolers are, you know, because it's a um, one-income family in a two-income family world, uh, many of us tend to be quite frugal, so I even addressed that on the blog. It, it just seemed like the way to go. Uh, it was a way to keep up with the news. You, you mentioned I was the news editor for Home Education Magazine. I used to write that every two months. Um, you, you could not possibly keep up with homeschooling news today, writing every two months. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so much news out there. Uh, Parent at the Helm has lots of information for people who already are homeschooling. But there's also a lot of information for parents who might be thinking about it, haven't made the leap yet. Um, so I include a lot of information uh, and news resources um, about the school system as well. And there's a lot to write about that these days. What I know. I know. <laughs> well, I, I was reading one of your articles, and I actually um, spoke about it um, Oh, I, th- I think it was like the middle of February um, this year, and it was about you were, you were actually going to reprint or re-release your book, The Art of Education, Reclaiming Your Family, Community, and Self. And your article was, um, what was it? 
those who don't learn from history. That was the heading of your article. And my friends and I, I have, I have a, a reading and a writing group, and two of the people in the group are teachers. And they were just sitting there, because, I mean, I'm kind of oblivious to the public school systems. I've really been too busy to get into it. And I think it's exciting to kind of look at it, but I don't know whether or not we can change them. But right. they were saying, you know, it seems that they take, they have an idea, and it doesn't work. And so they keep on at it and they keep throwing money at it and it still doesn't work and they won't let it go. And they just keep on working with something that's not working. And then I get, looked at my email the next day and there's your article saying exactly the same thing. <laughs> because, well, I mean, it is so true that you have, to, you have to stick with something for a few years to see whether or not it, it's going to work. But um, that whole no child left behind. I mean, I don't fully, fully understand that. But one of the other things that one of these teachers was saying was that they've got these vocational programs in their school, cosmo cosmetology and mechanics and that. And she said, which is great. But she said, we are still funded by our test scores. And she said, the kinds of kids that are attracted to our school for these vocational things aren't clever. I mean, they're not testers. That's right. And so she That's said, we're penalized. We're not getting money. So we're, we're being bumped lower and lower down, down the ranking. I'm going, that doesn't make sense. Well, not only that, <laughs> because the tests are so important, the tests basically cover what you, we used to call language arts, English, mm-hmm. and math. Three R's is what we called it. The R, okay. So reading, writing, and arithmetic. <laughs> okay, and yeah. and so t- kids aren't learning history. They're not learning science. They're taking away um, recess, and they're taking away gym, and the sports programs are, are underfunded now with, what, with all the budget problems. Um, and right under their noses, too, Sit all these computers with technology and the Khan Academy, and that's another thing I feel like I can't keep up with on Parent at the Helm, like telling people, oh, my gosh, look look at this cool thing I found, and, oh, apps apps for your telephone or learning apps. And yeah. <laughs> it, ju- it just goes on and on. And yeah. as I said, it's sitting right under their noses. It, it, it would be different if it wasn't costing taxpayers billions and billions and billions of dollars every year mm-hmm. but it is mm-hmm. and uh, you know people right now that is impossible and i'm i don't know what is going to happen to the public school system um i i don't know how much a parent at the helm you've read but i i keep trying to tell parents boy if you've ever thought about homeschooling now is the time don't do it that's right well you talk you say something about self-sufficiency you know how we're encouraged to be self-sufficient in everything except for our education but linda we have come to the end of our time together and i've had a wonderful um 30 minutes with you and um, i i've been talking to linda dobson author homeschooler grandmother, advocate, public speaker, and amazing woman. I hope you've been inspired by our conversation and ideas. And go visit her website, parentatthehelm.com, and you'll get information, up-to-date news, fun stuff. It's a great website to go look at, all about homeschooling. Thank you, Linda, so much for joining me this afternoon. You have a wonderful weekend. You're welcome, and the same to you. Thanks, Vivian. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm going to go on a break, um, just a short break. So come back after these messages and um, I'll chat with you some more. 
toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is a marriage, family, and child therapist who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on the show and Juliana, check out her webpage. Connect with Juliana in media.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Thursday nights, get ready for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette, at 11, 10 central on toginet.com. What are the Read My Lips Tips for Success? Well, it's spelled out like this. R. Realize it is possible. E. Embrace all relationships. A. Advance through adversity. D. Develop your significance. M. Manage your health and wealth. Y. Yield to your natural abilities. L. Listen to your heart. I. Invest in yourself. P. Persist by taking small steps. And S. Serve others. Each week on the show, you'll find a safe haven whereby tips, insights, and strategies are shared by Linnea and her guests. Go to Linnea's website, readmylipstips.com. Then join us Thursday nights at 11, 10 p.m. Central for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, here I am again. I just filled up my teacup. Um, Last week, I had Mike Donnelly staff attorney for HSLDA, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, on my show, and we talked about his career. And my opening question was, what did you want to be when you grow up? Grew up, should I say. His answer was perhaps a little unexpected, but then as a mother of two boys, once I caught my breath, I really wasn't that surprised. He was a boy in his other life, and all boys want to be astronauts, don't they? He asked. And I thought, yep, you're right. My oldest son wanted to be an astronaut when he was a boy. My younger son wanted to work with animals. Well, actually, it was more play with animals. Climb trees, slosh around in muddy creek bottoms, or 
Beard Thomas, the tank engine driver. My oldest girl displayed nurturing signs and total acceptance of special needs people any age, not just children, when she was only five. And my youngest girl wanted to dance from the moment she could walk. She had my point shoes on and was flitting around the house to warnings of she'll ruin her feet or break her ankles, twist her knees, coming from those nosy people who won't leave homeschoolers alone. Fortunately for her, for her, fortunately for her, all the naysayings fell on deaf ears and she honed her skill of flying and leaping through the air with no regard for gravity. Today, all but one of my children is working in his or her childhood dream. Animal lover is a zookeeper. Nurturer is an early childhood teacher with special needs certification and dancer is going to pursue a career on the stage even though my mother and Noel Coward would disapprove mightily don't put your daughter on the stage, Mrs. Worthington. Google it. My astronaut became a filmmaker. Close. They both have their heads in the clouds. The idea of astronaut went by the wayside when he was about 11 and discovered a video camera. We're to blame for that. Mike Donnelly turned his childhood dream of going into space into a degree in economics and then a career in the army before turning to law. He had sound advice for would-be lawyers, which I'll reiterate here. First off, consider how much money you have available before going to an expensive school just because it's prestigious. I have to agree with this because, really, those Ivy Leagues charge you for the name like designer clothing and Bruno Marley shoes. And good educations and law degrees can be had from much less expensive colleges. We, the McNennies, learned this from the College of Santa Fe, a lovely small liberal arts college in New Mexico, which my oldest attended. He'd already earned his associate degree in the arts at the local community college, an endorsement from Mike also. And when he went to a four-year school, he was able to transfer in as a junior and was awarded good scholarships for his high GPA. The school had 750 students and gave Ian a firm foundation in leadership and experience in film and editing and without leaving him with a boatload of debt at the end of the day. But my youngest son, on the other hand, decided A&M was going to be his alma mater. Nothing would entice him to make another choice. Because so many other people around America and the world have the same high regard for Aggieland and its college, they don't give away much money. They don't need to. People happily pay to attend and continue giving money for years after graduation even leaving healthy endowments. Despite this rich cash flow, their purse strings are firmly knotted. They took one look at my son, acknowledged his 4.0 GPA, checked out his complexion, his blonde hair, his candid blue eyes, his physique, physique, his six foot three inch frame, his charming personality, and decided he'll do fine in the world on his own. His associate of science degree allowed him to knock two years off his attendance at his southern redneck tumbleweed school, and he's also fortunate not to have been saddled with a boatload of debt either. However, he will never have the earning power of his brother because, you know, zookeepers are in it for love of animals. Student jobs while at law school, according to Mike, are frowned upon. Graduates have to focus on their studies, he says. So find a way to support yourself. My sons didn't have jobs at their schools either, just enough to pay for coffee and donuts. We'd always said, school is your job, and they took us literally. Community colleges, colleges as I've said, are, are assets. Mike solved his four-year stint at law school by marrying. It wasn't a marriage of convenience, I'm not suggesting that, neither is he, but he was 27 when he went back to school, and his wife was able to support him. He suggests a college called 
Brook, no, Oak Brook College of Law, which provides a two-year undergraduate program and prepares students to work in the state of California. If you just go to www.obcl.edu, you'll get more information or do what I do and Google Oak Brook College. If law is an interest but the academics and expenses are too much, Mike suggested training to be a paralegal. He also advised potential lawyers to beware the big bucks when looking for a job. These high salaries, he said, come at a high price. He knows because he worked in a company where they expected him to work 70 to 80 hours a week, as well as travel extensively. He said the money was good, but he had no time to spend at home with his children and wife. He now works for HSLDA, where they expect their lawyers to homeschool, of course, and spend time with family. Bravo. Boy, what a concept in this day and age. I have to admit, when my hubby was working on the road, we never saw each other. It was sad. He missed lots of milestones in our children's lives. After a few years, he came home for good, for good and things got better and better as we grew poorer and poorer in the eyes of man and richer and richer in the eyes of God. Believe me, with God's help, we battled through each dry patch and the memories we've made are priceless. Plus, our children are such independent individuals, all working in their childhood dreams. They're strong, steadfast and beacons for the future, even though they are leaving home. I was talking to um, my homeschooling friend who's been homeschooling for a couple of years last week and um, she had time off from her busy tutoring schedule and her parents had come into town to take her three boys with them for spring break. See what I mean by homeschoolers still being influenced by traditional schools? She was telling me how her husband doesn't like having a schedule dictated to him. Now, he's not talking about his job because if you want to be paid, guess what? You have schedules and deadlines forced upon you. No, but he was talking about the Boy Scouts his oldest son is involved in, in a homeschool troop. I asked my friend if he enjoyed meeting with the other homeschool fathers and going on the outings, and she admitted that he did not. He said he didn't need the social stimulation as he got all that from his colleagues at work, but his son was having a good time. What he disliked even more than Scouts, however were the ball games his twin boys were involved in with their homeschool group. My friend started citing volunteer schedules to me, dues that had to be paid, uniforms bought, popcorn sold for fundraisers, weekends away and outings, more outings and even more outings. I was able to share an observation I'd made in my book recently about losing sight of the true meaning of homeschooling, how to not let outside activities take away from the reason homeschooling was decided upon in the first place. I didn't want to be told what to do and when with my children, with my hours, with my life. Some associations and co-ops are too big and they need too much organisation. They don't leave enough time for true homeschooling activities. My idea was to throw my children on each other so they could get to know themselves, their parents, and explore relationships in a safe, unconditional environment. Well, okay, some blood was shed sometimes, nothing too damaging. Well, I think my friend realised that she was getting caught up in this new rat race of the out-of-school, out-of-homeschool activities. Okay, totally random comment coming up. I just thought about this. We opened the port we made back in December. It was delicious, sweet and fruity and heady, perfect with a strong cheese. Not our cheese yet, that's not ready for another month. We'll have to open another bottle for that. Hmm? Well, I'm going to England on Sunday with my daughter, Malia. I won't call her my favourite travelling companion because hubby is listening, but 
She ranks up there as one of my favourite travelling companions. I tell you, as a homeschooler, I love to break the rules. I was commenting earlier that if you try to put me in a box, I break out with fists flailing. Proof evident is in the fact that this week was spring break and we're going away next week. As a punishment for playing on the outskirts of the rest of the school district's mandated holiday times, Malia had to open the coffee shop every morning this week at that pre-dawn hour of 5am. She has given in her notice, by the way, because all the work is getting too much for her. She can't have a job, perform and study. Think about it, Mum, she said. I get up while it's still dark. Commendable for a teenager. After an eight-hour shift where I have to overflow with bubbliness... I fall into bed exhausted for some quick rejuvenating sleep until about three. Then I shower, get pretty, eat whatever you cooked for me and run off, mostly in the car, to rehearsal or performance. When is there time to study? And I have to get this associate's thing. Honestly, get real, Mum. I agree she had no time to study. Well, not the way she managed her day. Now, if it were me, well, I'm not you. She's quick to point out, and I say true that. If she had a free hour, she would dash up the road before the show and see her boyfriend. At 19, I can't deprive her of that. Well, now the play is over, so she does the nap thing in the afternoon and has lots of time left over to study. But oops, another glitch, it's spring break. She's also had to clean her room, a space sadly neglected during this hectic period, and pack for a short weekend away with her best friend they actually left yesterday. Not to mention sorting clothes for our week in England. Pressure. Her notice at the coffee shop went in last week, as I said, and yesterday morning was her final day. Customers commented on how especially bubbly perky she was. When she returns from England, she'll notice, I'm sure, some life changes. Sleeping until a more teenage-appropriate hour, thus filling the gap left by no job. Time to network socially, eat at a table instead of in a car or backstage, and maybe study for a while. Maybe she'll even be able to spend some waking hours with her family. Maybe I think she'll miss barista work. She's been effervescent for almost a year. Actually, I take that back. Her wallet will miss the job most. And last weekend, I trained to be a subdeacon at our church. We have two English masses on Sunday, a low mass where there is singing but no smells, and a high mass, which has all the works. We always go to the early service, and I've served as a lay Eucharistic minister for years now in my black cassock and white surplus. But now, with my new training, I can actually wear the brightly colored vestments. The high mass team are all excited that three of us trained because Holy Week is just around the corner and every mass is high with a subdeacon in attendance, lots of billowing incense and plenty of chanting. Yep, high mass is sung and I'd completely forgotten this. There are times when the subdeacon will chant the prayers of the people and even the whole passion while I've told them I'm available to serve but not to chant. I don't think anyone's ready for that yet. Well, I've managed to rattle on for another whole hour and it's time for me to bid you farewell for this week. As I said, I'm off to England and I'm going to pack and maybe clean the house and maybe we'll watch a film at home. Join me next week. I'll be in London running around all over the country while my daughter decides where she wants to study next year. For this week, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Togginet Radio, my guest Linda Dobson and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Tina, Yawn Yawn and the St. Johnses. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace.
Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Togi.